All right, so a couple weeks ago we started our new series, A Generous Life, and just kind of talking about what generosity means in terms of what the Bible teaches us and how generosity can so often fly in contrary to what the season can be all about. Uh, And so last time we met for the generosity, we talked about how it is better to give than to receive, and we looked at the example of Paul's life. And how coveting is actually the opposite of generosity. It's the enemy of generosity because it can rob us of our desire to give as freely as God has called us to. Um, <laughs> then last week, we had the Hammerlings, Canada's double portion come out, and they took over service. And it was awesome. I think we all really appreciated that. I had a lot of people say they can come back anytime. I agree. Um, I ran into their pastor in Saskatoon. We had some executive meetings, and I said, I want them. I want them to be mine. And he said, no. Um, he used more language than that, but basically he said no um, because they're his worship team, and he doesn't want to lose them. I want to gain them. Um, we'll just fight for it. Um, <clears throat> but I just want to say on that note, we took up a free will offering, and when it comes to those things, you just never really know how it's going to go. And I just want to thank you, One Church, for your generosity. I was blown away by how much came in. Um, I think they were blown away too. It was very generous of you guys. And so it was, it was a proud moment as your pastor when we talk about doing a series called The Generous Life, and you exercise generosity the way that you did uh, it was exciting. It was awesome. So thank you, everybody who gave and supported them. If you didn't know, that's what they do. A couple people ask me if they have jobs. They don't. That's what Duncan and his wife do. They travel and they sing and they, this is their ministry. And so uh, any way we can support them was is exciting. You know, 10 kids, 5 grandkids. That's a lot of family there. So uh, Anyways, I, anyone else appreciated the uh, 12 Days of Tour song? That was, that was awesome. I, that was great. <laughs> I thought, anyways, I had some miscon- misperceptions, and so I was glad they sang that and set me straight. Um, so this morning, we're continuing our Generous Life talk. Um, this morning, we are going to dive into our motives. It is one thing to exercise our gener- a generous life because God has called us to But what is motivating our generosity? And at the end of the service, I'm going to give you a litmus test. And and this isn't just a generosity thing. This is a good deeds idea because God doesn't call us just to be generous with our finances. He calls us to be generous with everything He's entrusted to us. So our our service and our spiritual gifts and our talents, and, and we're supposed to be generous with all that He has given us. We're supposed to be generous with our good deeds and and that we're not to withhold it from, from anyone. And so as we go through the generosity talk, yeah, it's about finances, and yeah, it's about what, how, what you're spending your money on, but it's also about your whole life. It's about your time and your energies and your gifts and the things that God has so freely given you. Are you also being generous with them by passing it forward? I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <clears throat> but this morning... We're going to be in two different passages. We're going to start off in Luke 14. So if you have your physical Bible, you can follow along. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Luke, (coughs) okay, puberty. Um, Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Oh, little preamble before we dive in. Jesus has been invited over to um, someone's house. He's a religious leader. And as it's getting ready for the meal, Jesus notices that everyone's kind of 
kind of jostling for the head of the table. He, they, they notice that they're trying to get to the seat of honor. And Jesus sits them all down and says, you know, instead of fighting for the seat of honor, it would be better for you if you're invited to a feast or to someone's house to take the seat of humility and let the host of the event elevate you to the seat of honor then for you to take the seat of honor and for the host to come up and say, that's someone else's seat, you need to sit over here. And so Jesus implores them to humility. And after he teaches the group this, he then turns to his host. And in verse 12, this is what he says. He turned to his host, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Woo! Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. <clears throat> then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. <coughs> Jesus turns to the host, and you know that when Jesus starts talking to somebody, everyone else kind of listens in. So yeah, he's kind of looking at the host of the party, but he's got the attention of the crowd because they're, they're, everyone always hung on every one of Jesus' words. He says, when you put on an event, don't just, don't just invite those that you know will pay, will pay you back. Don't just invite those that you know they'll, they'll bring you back and they'll, they'll repay you. But be willing to give to those who can't repay you. Because it seems like in today's day, you know, talk about the crippled and the lame and the blind, you know, Jesus, that, that's, that could be offensive. You need to be careful with that. But he's talking about a group of people who are not able, do not have the access to the resources to do what you are able to do. And the reminder that we need to have when we read this story is Jesus is calling us to the same generosity that he exercised himself. When Jesus went to the cross and died for each and every one of you and, and took away your sins, he did it while you were still enemies of him. He didn't do it after you asked for repentance. He didn't ask. He didn't do it after you had a change of heart. He did it before. And the sacrifice and the gift of salvation is such a great and amazing gift that He has given you. You could not possibly ever pay Him back. Oh, that sounds a lot like the teaching He just did. There's nothing you could do. There's no good deed. There's no... like You could offer your everything. And it wouldn't be enough to repay him for the gift that he has so freely given you. And he doesn't expect anything back. He doesn't expect you to just be this exceptionally good person and try to pay off some debt. He doesn't expect that. In fact, what, the teaching, what Jesus teaches us is instead this idea of paying it forward. The same way I've given you this great and amazing, generous gift that you will never be able to repay me for, I want you to exercise that same generosity to your neighbors and to your friends and to your community. I want you to find those that you can be generous toward and expect nothing back. Because that's the only way that we could really truly honor the thing that Jesus did for us in the first place. Jesus gave to us so generously. And so when we give expecting nothing back we're we're just imitating what we see our heavenly father and our savior doing and that is the other thing that pops up a lot in scripture imitate christ 
Or Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, one of the things we can do to imitate Christ is we just give freely, expecting nothing in return. (coughs) The second passage that we're going to look at, and then I'm going to kind of refer to both of them as we go along, is Matthew chapter 6. Again, you can follow along in your Bible or just follow along on the screen. Matthew 6, starting in verse 1. Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose your reward from your, heaven, from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in synagogues and streets and to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything, rewards you. (laughs) It's interesting that both passages talk about this idea of reward. And the question that Jesus poses to us and he posed to the the crowds back then is who do you want to get your reward from? Because you only have two options and you can't have them both. When you exercise your good deeds, when you exercise your generosity, do you want the recognition and the payback that comes from man? Because if you do, then you are going to get that instant gratification of, yay, job well done, people have praised you, people will invite you back, but you have received your reward, that's where it ends. Or, you can do these things in private, you can give to those who are less fortunate and can't pay you back, and you're going to get the better reward from your Heavenly Father. An eternal reward that thief cannot steal and moth and rust cannot destroy. And this is the problem that, it's not just about our generosity, this this is the problem with sin. right? This This is why sin can be so entangling, is because we can get caught up in this instant gratification. It feels good in the moment. Yeah, I might feel guilty about this later, I might feel God's conviction about this later, but in the moment... It feels really good. And the problem with sin and the problem with seeking adoration and praise and repayment is that it leaves you needing more. right? If you want people to praise you, then you keep having to give and you keep having to put on the show and the show has to get bigger. If you get the same thing, they're not going to praise you. right? And there's that instant gratification, but once the moment has passed, then it's gone. And Jesus said you can settle for that. You can settle for this less appealing, less fulfilling reward. And that's it. Or, you do these things in private. You not let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. Oh, wrong hand. Not let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. And your Father, who sees everything, sees everything, will reward you at the resurrection. It's a reminder that as we practice our generosity, it's a reminder that as we do our good deeds, to not have a, a here and now kind of mindset, but to have an eternal mindset. To set our eyes on Christ and the reminder that we're going to be reunited with Him. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I want to store up eternal treasure. I want to store up eternal reward. I want to store up all these things that, so that it never goes away. Because this earth this life is going to pass away it's going to be gone and it's all for naught 
Which brings us to the second enemy of, and I've kind of been hinting at it already, the second enemy of generosity. Last week it was coveting, this week it's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. She says, as a hypocrite, <clears throat> what it means to be a hypocrite is that you're a white, he calls them whitewashed tombs full of dead bones. You look really good on the outside, but everything you do is empty and meaningless. And God's not concerned about the outward, He's more concerned about the inward. He's worried about your heart. And who's getting the glory? Who's getting the, the praise? Who's getting the spotlight? And I want you to, that, that word is going to come up, that word spotlight. And so i kind of alluding. Um, I came across a story about being a hypocrite. I thought it was funny. I'm going to share it with you. Um, I hope you all laugh. If not, then I apologize in advance. Um, hypocrisy is going to show up in the smallest of things. Uh, following a great sermon on lifestyle evangelism, one family thought they had better do something to witness to Jesus. So they invited their neighbors to dinner the following Friday night. When it came to the meal, the hostess was keen to show their neighbors that they upheld Christian standards in their home. So she asked little five-year-old Johnny to say grace. Anyone ever notice that in jokes, little Johnny's always the, the guy? Like As soon as you hear little Johnny, you know something's going to go bad. Little Johnny was a bit shy. I don't know what to say. Well, darling, she said, just say what Daddy said at breakfast this morning. Obediently, the boy repeated, Oh God, we've got those awful people coming for dinner tonight. Is it all for show? Or is it you really have someone else's best interest in mind? Hypocrisy is all about the show. And this morning I want to give you, I can call it the, the motive litmus test. Often when it comes to our good deeds and trying to weigh our motives and our, why we're doing something, it can be hard to figure out what our personal motives are. It's hard to hold that mirror up. It's hard to really know what's fueling the fire of what we're going to do. And so it's going to be up on the screen. It's on your piece of paper. Uh, everyone at home, take a screenshot. Um, here is your litmus test. Your, your gauge for authenticity, your gauge of motives. If our desire is to do right, to give light, we're acting in the spirit of Christ. But if we only desire to appear right, to get the spotlight, we have the wrong motive. And say it again for the podcast who doesn't get to see all of this. If our desire is to do right, to give light, we're acting in the spirit of Christ. But if we, are, if we only desire to appear right to get the spotlight, we have the wrong motive. The second one is exactly what I've been talking about. It's hypocrisy. It's being a hypocrite. So who gets the spotlight? As you do your good deeds, as you exercise your generosity, who's getting the attention? As Christ followers, we are always supposed to be deflecting the praise, deflecting the honor, deflecting the glory back to our Heavenly Father. Because it's His approval that we want. It's not man's approval. I talked about this a lot a couple of weeks ago. Whose praise are you seeking? Whose approval are you seeking? If you're going to get man's, then that's what you're going to get. But if you want God's, then you need to put aside man's praise, put aside man's approval, and seek God's above all else. One author said, 
we should be exercising our good deeds. We should be exercising our generosity with no thought of what anyone else is going to think. In fact, the ultimate expression is we don't even think about it ourselves. We don't even pat ourselves on the back. Oh, I did so good. But we simply do the good deed for the sake of doing the good deed. To, as, the, as this says, to give light. Because this can be a really hard time for people. And there's a lot of people in our communities who need us to give them some hope, some peace, some joy. We need to share the light. <clears throat> I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I thank you, God, for the call to, gener to generosity. And Jesus, I thank you for the reminder that we are called to imitate you in all things. And that you gave us the ultimate example of what it means to be generous. To not hold back. To just share what you have so freely shared with us. So God, I pray for eyes and ears and hearts that are sensitive that, to situations where we can practice generosity. Where we can practice whether it's financial or doing good things or just... God, remind us that in the midst of the craziness and the chaos that often comes with the Christmas season, God, remind us that we, there are hurting people all around us that need to know who you are, that need what only you can offer. So God, may we be carriers of the light and may we sh freely share it with everyone we come in contact with. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal any hypocrisy in our lives and God, that we would remove it because it's contrary to what you've called us to. Give us pure motives. Give us Give us your spirit, God, to live as you did, Jesus. Give us good motives, God. Be with us as we discuss and as we go. Give you all our praise and thanks in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.